You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Bet this football season with my bookie. Use promo code Gators and get a 50% match with your first deposit. Only at my bookie. Gators Breakdown, because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown podcast is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters, and you can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Here we are, SEC Championship Week, Florida, Alabama, in the SEC Championship game in Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, and, well... It's kind of taking on a new uh, a new approach for the Gators, I would say. Uh, after Tuesday night's college football playoff release, the Gators are number seven to the surprise of everyone after losing to LSU, only dropping one spot behind Iowa State now. Uh, they moved up to six, but Florida stays at – not stays, but only moves one spot to seven. So, you know, outside of the, the, the top four, you have Texas A&M at five, Iowa State at six, and Florida at seven. So, you know, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Notre Dame, all in that top four. So that leads some people to believe if, if, if Florida wins, if, if they upset Alabama in the SEC championship game, that that would be enough uh, to jump into that fourth spot. And, you know, it, it's hard to disagree. I don't see it necessarily happening. Look, I'm Florida. I'm still glad Florida's in this spot. Uh, maybe should they be? You know, that's a whole nother discussion. Um, but it's there. I mean, you go beat Alabama, and you're already at number seven. You take your chances. That may be enough. It, it would be hard to keep out the SEC champion. You know, even with two losses, I, I get it. It would be hard to keep out. I myself still find it tough to put Florida above Texas A&M. Uh, they beat you head to head. I'm a big proponent of head to head and what happens head to head. Uh, Texas A&M's only loss is yes, it's a blowout loss to Alabama, but it's still their only loss. They don't have a bad loss like Florida does uh, against LSU last week. So I get it from both perspective, both perspectives. Look, I'd be ticked off if I was Texas A&M if Florida was in that spot and I beat the team head to head and they jumped me. It'd be a hard pill to swallow, but it, I also get that it's hard to keep an SEC champion out. It, that win versus Alabama would all but erase what happened versus LSU last week. And look, I mean, let's also look at it. Flute game a bit, of course. Uh, everything that happened in you know, the first half turnovers, but you know that that's on Florida. You turned the ball over. Uh, you kept LSU in it. And, of course, the, the, the shoe thing at the end with Marco Wilson and you know, leading to an LSU field goal. I mean, yeah, you could say that's a fluke as well. And the teams played again. Of course, everybody's picking Florida to beat LSU. So, you know, there, there's arguments to be made both sides. But what it has done, what it has done with Florida being at number seven is make this SEC championship game still a big game for Florida. Look, it's going to be a big game regardless. You still want to go out there and beat Alabama. You still want to go out there and beat the number one team in the country. It'd be a lot to say for progress to say you won an SEC championship. But now you win an SEC championship and you're at number seven in the college football playoff rankings. 
you could sell a whole lot of people with being one of the final four teams there with a win over Alabama. So there you go. You, w- would it take some other help? Would it take Notre Dame beating Clemson and giving Clemson their second loss and getting them out of the way? Would it take Tennessee upsetting Texas A&M to get Texas A&M out of their way? Does Iowa State need to lose to Oklahoma? So there's a lot of things there that still may need to happen to go along with it. But there is a possibility of just upsetting Alabama alone would be enough to get Florida in the college football playoffs. So here we go. It makes this takes a little higher than we thought just a couple of days ago. As we were looking at this game Sunday and Monday, going back to the LSU game and how much it probably dashed college fo- Florida's college football playoff hopes. Not so fast. Not so fast. So here we go. We'll get a really, really good Alabama preview with my good friend Kevin Hagan. He's on the Bill King show every week. Uh, I'm on the Bill King show every week up in Nashville uh, there. So Kevin's there. That's where I kind of got to listen to him talk about Alabama for years. And he's got some inside access to that program. So I was definitely getting Kevin on here to give us a, a look at Alabama. You can also catch him on the Southern Gentleman Sports Show in the Destin and Pensacola area out there in the Panhandle of Florida there. So Kevin uh, makes his rounds on the uh, on the radio radio airwaves. So uh, really, really good insight there for the Alabama Crimson Tide. And before we get to him, of course, remember, you can find Gators Breakdown at news4jacks.com slash Gators Breakdown. You can find all the Gators Breakdown episodes there, as well as News 4 Jacks coverage of the Gators. Please share, rate, and review this show on YouTube. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. It really helps us out here on Gators Breakdown. Or if you just want the audio version, check us out on your favorite podcast platform. Follow Gators Breakdown on social media. We're on Twitter and Facebook at Gators Breakdown. I am now proud to be joined by Kevin Hagan. You can find him every week on the Bill King Show and the Southern Gentleman Sports Show out in the Destin and Pensacola area. Kevin, uh, Florida-Alabama in the SEC championship game, when this uh, announcement was made or, or when we kind of just knew behind the scenes that it was going to be Florida-Alabama, I knew there was only one place I was going for some Alabama information. Well, thank you. That's an honor. I think very highly of the work you do for covering the Florida Gator, and, and it's truly an honor to be asked to be on your podcast. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks, Kevin. So uh, let our listeners know, uh, let them know where they could find you. Uh, you know, if they listen to the Bill King show, I'm on there every week as well. The Southern Gentleman Sports Show out there in the panhandle uh, of Florida. But let our listeners know your connection uh, to the Alabama Crimson Tide. Sure. Uh, I have kind of a unique connection to the Alabama program. I am not an official member of the media, uh, so I don't get paid for what I do. Uh, but for about the last 20 years, I've been able to kind of have a unique insider access uh, to the program, which has allowed me to uh, to get to know the players and the coaches and, and see the program behind the scenes on a level that a lot of people just don't get a chance to. Unfortunately, this year, because of all the COVID protocols, I have not been able to be to Tuscaloosa and have not been able to be uh, to the games in the capacity that I normally do. So that's been a little bit of a, of a different swing for this year, which is unfortunate for the great season that we've had. But uh, but yeah, I've, I've just been blessed to have, a, a we'll call it a unique access to the program. Uh, and uh, a little bit of uh, uh, knowledge as well of you know Nick Saban and getting to know him th- throughout the years. Uh, you were telling me a really good story uh, of Saban and uh, the Florida head coach Dan Mullen, and there's a, a pretty uh, respectful mutual relationship between those two coaches. Absolutely, Dave. I, I can speak firsthand on more than one occasion uh, when uh, I've been with Coach Saban and he's taken a call from Dan Mullen, uh, whether he's been at Mississippi State or Florida, and uh, – very, very friendly conversation, and Coach thinks very highly of Dan Mullen and has a tremendous amount of respect for him. So tremendous respect from Coach Saban for Dan Mullen and his ability as a head coach. 
Well, Kevin, let's see, you know, look, the magnitude of this game took a hit <laughs> last week in the unexpected upset of LSU over Florida. Uh, but, you know, Florida only dropped one spot in the college football playoff rankings to seventh, still keeping this game huge for, for, for the Gators. Look, it's going to be huge anyway. You're going against the number one team in the country. It's somewhat of a rivalry because of all the matchups in the SEC championship games throughout the years. But, you know, now it's Florida was expected to drop a little bit further than, than seventh in the college football playoff rankings. Then being at seven keeps this game, uh, you know, in, in the forefront of – you know, playoff mode for, for Florida if they somehow upset Alabama. Alabama more than likely in the college football playoff anyway, but uh, this matchup holds a little more weight than we thought a couple of days ago because Florida hardly dropped in the polls. Absolutely, and it should. Let me just say, you know, well, first of all, Florida played without Kyle Pitts, and anyone who think, doesn't think that that was uh, a huge impact in the game is it, crazy. Uh, I'm, I'm glad that they didn't rock Florida anymore. They did. I've never been a person who's understood why people take – small snippets and, and take and run in there and, and, you know, use it to judge an entire season or whatever. That was a fluke game. We could have played that game 99 more times and Florida would have beaten LSU. Uh, and we all know the unfortunate incident with Marco Wilson, you know, the, the brain flip or whatever, you know, they should, you shouldn't punish a team in their season, in my opinion, for, for an incident like that. Yeah, Alabama and Florida meeting for the 10th time in the SEC championship game. And I can tell you, Dave, from the Alabama perspective, the loss Saturday night to the, to the LSU Tigers um, in the dramatic fashion it was made no impact, no change on the view of the way Alabama views Florida. Alabama realizes that they are clearly in for their toughest test of the season. The coaches know that. The players know that. I can tell you firsthand that it's Florida has Alabama's absolute attention for this game. And Alabama realizes that, hey, this is a for this Florida team is a team that is very capable of beating Alabama. So in no way did the loss to LSU detract how Alabama views this game Saturday night. We know we're in for a war, Dave. All right. And then, look, Kevin, you, you mentioned a little bit, tip matchup in, between these two teams in the SEC championship game. Man, there have been some great games between these two in this setting. The first SEC championship game, my first ever Gator game was the 96 SEC championship game in Atlanta. My first ever Gator game in person uh, there. I grew up in Georgia. My dad doesn't necessarily really like going to games. We didn't travel to Gainesville a whole lot. Um, but that was our first game that we got to go to. So that, you know, that this game will, when these two teams match up in the SEC championship game, it always, you know, it holds a special place in my heart because there's a lot of personal emotion to go along with my first Gator game. So then we had the 2008, 2009 SEC championships. The last two haven't all that, haven't been all that memorable for Florida with Jim McElwain leading the way, uh, going into Atlanta, but there's been some great ones in this setting between these two teams. Oh, there absolutely have really, and quite honestly, when I think of the SEC championship game, I think of Alabama, Florida. I mean, it's the most common matchup that we've had. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a diehard Yankees fan. To me, the world, the real world series is always when the Yankees get to play the Dodgers. And to me, that's what, that's what Florida, Alabama is. And you're right. We've had some great matchups. The, the first one in 1992 with Antonio Langham's interception of Shane Matthews. Uh, but you know, Florida, that was what an eight and four Florida team that gave Alabama everything they wanted. Uh, and then, you know, you said you got to go to the 96 game. Well, that was a great game to go to because Florida absolutely kicked our butt in 96, winning by 15, but it was really much, uh, 
you know, a, a much greater deficit than that. And then you had the bizarre year. I, I call it the uh, twilight zone year where in 1999, where somehow, yeah. some way Mike Dubose beat Steve Spurrier, not once, but twice. And I don't think there's an Alabama fan on the planet that thought there was any way that he was going to beat Steve Spurrier the second time that he did in 1999. Uh, and, and then, like you mentioned, the 2008, 2009 games are really a watershed uh, changing of the guard, if you will, mm-hmm. in the SEC Alabama, your second year under Nick Saban, had the great year in 2008, got to the SEC championship game, put up a valiant fight against the Florida Gators, but lost the game 31 to 20. And Florida was clearly still the better program in 2008, but it was Alabama showing that they had closed the gap with the Gators. And then in 2009, Alabama getting over the hump, beating Florida to go on to, to play in the uh, BCS championship game against Texas. And then, like you said, the last two games, the 2015, 2016 games, um, you know, let's be honest, not the greatest coach in Florida history. So, you know, those, those, I'll, I'll be real honest with you. The, the, the 2016 game was, wasn't a lot of fun to watch because when I think about these two things, I think about the great matchups and that was kind of a mismatch. Look, I, before the season started, I picked the Florida Gators to win the Eastern division. And this is a sincere congratulations to all the Gator fans on doing that. Trust me. Um, I, I could not thank you more for unseating the Georgia Bulldogs and Kirby <laughs> smart. And I'll be real honest with you, Dave. I don't think this is the last time that Dan Mullen wins the Eastern division. And I think we're going to continue to see a number of Alabama Florida SEC championship games moving forward. And of course, this is a precursor. If you'll remember, if we stick with the 2021 schedule, uh, the Alabama mm-hmm. Crimson Tide does come to Gainesville next year for a regular season matchup. So, hey, this might be 99 next year. We, we might be be two matchups. <laughs> Gator fans would absolutely take that, Kevin. So <laughs> it, it would be a good year if that's the case, if Florida and Alabama were playing twice uh, next year. So let's get to the, this year's t- Alabama team to j- just a bit. And Kevin, I got to ask you, man, wh- what makes this offense so much more explosive than years past at Alabama? I, you know, I could be wrong here, you know, not as close as you are and looking at Alabama, but you know, this offense seems to be better led by Steve Sarkeesian and Mac Jones than what I saw with Tua recently. And I'm not saying Jones is better than Tua, but with him and these weapons on the field, it just seems a maybe a little more consistent to me. Is that a fair assessment with this offense? Oh, my friend, I could not agree with you more. That is a grand slam home run assessment uh, of the Alabama offense. First, let me say that Steve Sarkeesian is just He's been a phenomenal offensive coordinator for Alabama. He is, and he's a great offensive coordinator, but he is an elite quarterback coach. Uh, you know, Tua beloved by many Alabama fans, but you know, Tua being Hawaiian, he there was a there was a certain laid backness to Tua's personality uh, that that at times uh, showed up on the field. And I'm not saying he was a warrior, but but he was he was laid back. Matt Jones, a completely different story. Uh, and, and it is one of the greatest stories in, in the Nick Saban era at Alabama. If you'd have told me uh, th- uh, last this time last year that Matt Jones would still be the starting quarterback at Alabama uh, at the end of the season, uh, I would have probably said, okay, maybe. And if you'd have told me that he would have had the opportunity to be a serious Heisman Trophy contender, I would have said, Dave, buddy, uh, how about I drive you home? Okay. <laughs> uh, because I'll be real honest, you know, now, I, you know, we didn't have 
spring football practice mm-hmm. because of COVID. But I really expected by the time we got to the LSU game and certainly the Auburn game, I expected Bryce Young to unseat Mac Jones, uh, Bryce Young being the two freshman quarterbacks from California for Alabama. I, I didn't think that Mac would be able to hold Bryce off all season, much less have the season that he's had. And it's a, it's a great testament to Mac, but it's a great testament to Steve Sarkeesian. Uh, Coach Sarkeesian told Nick Saban last year after the Auburn game, he said, listen, if Mac Jones can ever learn to mentally flush mistakes and not you know, dwell on them, I'm telling you, he has the ability to be the best quarterback you've ever had at Alabama. He's got that much athletic ability, but he's an intelligent young man. He's kind of a perfectionist, and he literally – would dwell on mistakes to the point that it affected his play. And that has been the change in Mac Jones that Steve Sarkeesian has been able to, to teach Mac to just flush it. You make a bad play, you flush it and you move on. Just play the relax and play the game. And you would probably think that I would say that Mac Jones is the reason this offense has taken off. But I'll be real honest with you that the heart and soul of this Alabama offense this year is this offensive line. Mm-hmm. And up until this year, I would have told you that 2012 was the best offensive line that Coach Saban's ever had. But this is the best offensive line that Alabama's ever had. And it is the heart and soul of that side of the football. Yeah, you know, Florida strength on defense is, you know, getting to the pass rusher or getting to the quarterback with that pass rush and maybe not as consistent as it has been uh, in years past. And it has failed to show up in big games uh, in years past, too. But if Florida's going to win this game, they're going to have to find a way to fight to get past that Alabama offensive line. And I think that's where the trouble comes in for the, for, for the Florida defense to, to begin with. I, I think Florida's up for, Florida's going to have to play strong up front to even have a chance in this game. And that's a big task there with that, uh, that, that Alabama offensive line. And look, I'll, I'll even go uh, kind of extend the conversation with Matt Jones. I agree. I'm here in Jacksonville. So I got to see him play a, a good bit here at bowls in Jacksonville. And, I didn't expect this. I didn't expect what 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 we're, what we're seeing out there, and that wasn't a knock on him necessarily. It's just you know kind of the the way things go, and you know I, I'm a big you know big rec- recruit Nick, and trying to kind of seeing uh, you know it, it, you don't see the 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 transformation from how he played in high school to what he's doing now, and and going to go win a Heisman Trophy at Alabama. You don't see it too often, and like you said, there was a there's a guy behind him that you know you just figured because of recruiting and what the 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 skill set that you see. That eventually he may take over, but you got to give Jones a, lot, a whole lot of credit, like you said, of uh, of getting better from the the little bit of playing time he had last year to extending that and becoming one of the nation's best quarterbacks this year. Absolutely, and Mac Jones is beloved by his teammates, and he ha- you know he has confidence on the field, but off the field he's a very humble guy. He doesn't think he's better than anybody else, and. And let's just say that that that's kind of been a little bit of a change at that position in the locker room with our team and something that our, our, our his team have allowed him to truly be embraced by his teammates. And, and, and you know, it's ironic. Probably the two greatest Nick Saban stories have been this year. The other, of course, being Najee Harris. While mm-hmm. Mac Jones, it was a process of you know learning to not be the perfectionist and get past mistakes. For Najee Harris, it was. Uh, off the field maturity, you know, growing up, uh, I'll be honest with you, the first two years, Mac, uh, that, uh, that uh, Najee was in the program. I think he quit the team like three out of five days a week at practice with his helmet <laughs> and run on, yeah, I'm done. And, and there were just, a, there was just a lot of things. He came from a really rough neighborhood, really bad, poor background. And, and he had California and Coach Saban, to his credit, stuck with Najee and Najee for Najee. It's been off the field maturity, which has allowed him to have the season. He's had, if you'd have told me two years ago, Dave, 
that he would uh, be within striking distance of leaving Alabama. He's definitely going to have more career touchdowns. But if you had told me he was in striking distance of Derrick Henry's record of all-time leading rusher at Alabama, I would have laughed in your face. But that's exactly where that's exactly where we are. Najee Harris will probably leave Alabama's all-time leading rusher. I've never seen that two years ago. Tremendous change in his attitude and maturity level. And the thing about that, Kevin, is not it's not like he's playing in a run heavy Alabama offense like Derrick Henry did. You no. know, this is a different style of offense, and because of his versatility, he's he's in that conversation. Absolutely, and you know, Coach Saban's had a watershed statement uh, about a third of the way through the season this year when he acknowledged that the, because of the rule changes and the way the game of college football has changed. That it's all about offense now. You know, Coach Haven has always been a rock solid defensive guy. I'm a defensive guy. You asked me to talk about my team. I, I always talk about defense first. Defense has always been my favorite side of the ball. And that was a watershed statement by Coach Saban. And like you said, Alabama has uh, become a more, it's a balanced offense, but it's more pass heavy offense. And, and you know, we've had so many elite wide receivers. You know, some people have kind of whispered, is Alabama becoming wide receiver? You, Dave, when, when we were growing up, would you, would you ever dream that people <laughs> would be talking about Alabama as wide receiver? for you i mean that's insane yeah and even just like i said a few years ago you yeah you had julio and and and, and starting probably probably starting right around that area getting julio and and having him go off to the nfl and do some good things but still the, the offense was still based on more of a run concept and and now we've seen the transformation and uh alabama can certainly claim that with all the numbers there uh and let's let's continue that conversation waddle goes down uh, or earlier in the year, but you know Devontae Smith kind of just picks it up and, and and keeps going. Has anything changed at the wide receiver position since Waddle went down and and, and Smith's kind of leading the charge there along with a lot of other weapons? Not really, and we all hated to see Jalen Waddle go down. Not because he was probably the fastest player in college football. Just he 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 is the true uh, nothing against Mac Jones. Waddle is the true team leader on the offensive side of the ball tremendously classy young man off the field. He, he's always been the emotional leader on the offense this year. Uh, we kind of expected Slade Bolden in number 18, and you'll see Slade Bolden uh, on Saturday night, but to step into Waddle's role. But what actually has happened, and it's, it's great for Alabama, has been uh, the emergence uh, at the tight end, well, we call Jaleel Billingsley a tight end. He'll wear number 19 Saturday night. Uh, they've just, he's a redshirt uh, freshman out of Illinois. They've not been able to put mass on his body. So he really has more of a wide receiver body. But Jaleel Billingsley's kind of stepped up and taken that role vacated by Waddle. Um, you know, I, if, if I had a vote, and this is, I'm, I'm not Matt Jones. I love Matt Jones. But if I had a vote for the Heisman Trophy Day, I would vote for Devontae Smith. Devontae Smith is going to leave Alabama uh, with all the wide receiver records of Alabama. He's going to be the most prolific wide receiver in Alabama history. And I agree. You know, sometimes if you have the records, you're not necessarily the best player in that position. Uh, I think Devontae Smith, the, the best wide receiver to ever play at, at Alabama. Um, and then you're also going to see John Meachie, number eight, the uh, sophomore. Uh, he, uh, he's continues to emerge. He, 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 Kind of has one drop a game, but then he'll turn around and, and make a really elite play. Which that's kind of what Julio Jones did. And I'm not I'm not making a, a direct comparison there, mm-hmm. but no, losing it, it's ironic. You know, losing Waddle, uh, it has this team has not really missed a beat at all in the passing game. All right, Kevin, let's move to the other side of the ball, talk a little bit of defense. And look, this is a defense much like Florida started the season not up to expectations. The difference has been. You've seen Alabama's defense get better as the season goes on and not and necessarily Florida's defense hasn't. So what do you contribute to the uh, turnaround for the Alabama defense? 
Well, you were very kind in your in your assessment of Alabama's defense early in the year. Um, it, it was it was horrible. I mean, let's be honest. It was it was horrible. They really struggled. And, and let's be honest, Missouri's a physical team. That was a tough start on the road. You know, everybody in America saw the debacle in Oxford with Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin lit Alabama's defense up like a Christmas tree. And part of it was Lane's, you know, knowledge of, of what Saban likes to do. But the fact was that they, we just were not very, very good. And Pete, let's be honest, Pete Golding is, has never been very popular with Alabama fans. Um, this defense has improved steadily since the Ole Miss game. Uh, they kind of came into their own at halftime of the Georgia game, and since then they've been playing much more like you would expect an Alabama defense to play. I'll be real honest with you. Uh, I was taking a wait-and-see attitude for several weeks because, uh, but uh, granted, they were improving drastically. We were playing teams that, quite honestly, you know, were not very good in Mississippi State, mm-hmm. Kentucky. So I was wondering, is it a product of – poor competition are we really getting better uh, but it, it does look like in fact that this, that this defense is, is getting better uh, Pete Golding has uh, simplified some things that had been an argument for a long time about Coach Saban you know with this group needing to simplify things um, they, the, the secondary we, we thought going in the secondary would eventually be a strong point based on athleticism we have four out of five new players the secondary has gotten better the defensive line has finally decided to show up they finally decided to begin to get pressure uh, on the football. Uh, it's kind of a hit or miss, the linebacker position. Uh, Dylan Moses, who came back after the knee injury, so many Alabama fans were expecting him to be the bell cow of this defense, and he has had an absolutely horrible season. Uh, he well, I physically has recovered from his knee injury. You know, oftentimes it's the mental uh, recovery, trusting the knee, and he just He's playing tentative. He's playing to not get hurt, and, and he has been a major disappointment all year. Christian Harris, the Will linebacker on the other side, at Will, though, unfortunately, has had a phenomenal season, but unfortunately, he went down in the first play of the Arkansas game last Saturday with a shoulder injury, and he is listed as very, very questionable. I'll be honest with you. I'll be very surprised if we see Christian Harris Saturday night. So, yeah, this Alabama defense is heading in the right direction. Uh, it's improving, but it's it, this is not the 2016 Alabama defense or the 2011 Alabama defense that was, you know, the great wall of Tuscaloosa. Yeah, Kevin, and you brought up something where I was going to go next with that. You know, it is hard to get a gauge. Yet they have improved, but how much? You know, because, look, there aren't many passing offenses in the SEC, and the two best are going to go yeah. at it Saturday night. <laughs> so yeah. what kind of success can you see the Florida offense having versus this Crimson Tide defense? Oh, they're going to have success. And it's really funny because when my, when, uh, my listeners and my Alabama friends keep asking us, how good is our defense? And I've, I've, I've said, well, uh, ask me at midnight, uh, you know, <laughs> ask me midnight on December the 19th after we play Florida and I'll be able to let you know. Uh, let's be honest, Florida's going to move the ball. Florida's going to score points. Kyle Trask is an elite quarterback. Uh, I mean, Kyle, Kyle Pitts. Uh, and Devontae Smith are the two most exciting wideouts in college football. Can you imagine? If, imagine if you had both of them on the same team. Wouldn't that be crazy? Oh man! Um, I, you know, Florida's going to score over thirty points. They're going to move the ball against Alabama. They're going to have success against Alabama. Uh, I've said for a month on the Bill King Show and Southern Gentlemen's, I've described this game as a Formula One. Uh, car race, and I think that's exactly what it's going to be. I think it's going to come down to turnovers, and, and I, neither one of these defenses are going to shut down the other defense. It's going to come down to you know which defense can make a few more stops than the other one. But but no, I expect I expect Kyle Trask and Florida to have a lot of success against the Alabama defense Saturday night. Okay, well, one more thing that'll be on the line, of course, the SEC championship itself, but maybe the Heisman Trophy uh, may, could be on the line Saturday. Uh, there, you know, if Alabama wins as expected, you know, you 
probably see Mac Jones, maybe Devontae Smith, like you said, sneak in there uh, for some votes as well. But if Florida can pull the upset, and right now after losing the LSU, I think that's what it, I think that's what it takes. That will that will be what it takes for Kyle Trask uh, to walk away with the Heisman. But uh, this probably is the Heisman Showcase game Saturday night. It probably is, and how crazy! I mean, if I'd asked you two years ago what you what you thought the chances were that Kyle Trask would win the Heisman, what would your reaction have been? Yeah, I would I would have laughed. <laughs> I would have certainly laughed. Absolutely. And said, no. As you said earlier, I, I would have had to drive you home. That's that that would that would have been it. <laughs> and that's kind of neat. I mean, it's neat that these two young men yeah. that have come so far in their careers for elite programs. Let's be honest. I mean, Alabama and Florida; those are two of the most marquee programs in college football in the Southeastern Conference. It's it, it's Kudos to both of those young men to be able to be on the big stage. I don't care what anybody says. The SEC championship game, the SEC is the premier college conference in college football. This is the premier championship game, and these two young men that have come so far in their careers are going to get to duke it out, not only for their conference championship, which to me is the most important thing, but but for the Heisman Trophy. And it, it's, it's, it, I mean, if you and I had sat down and wrote this story, Disney would have bought it, but everybody <laughs> else would have rolled their eyes. But here we are. I mean, that's exactly what it is, and it's, it's a it's a it's a testimony to both of them. And, and yes, uh, I, I if you were asking gun to my head, well, I said I'm I'm you know would vote for Devontae Smith. I think whichever quarterback uh, wins the game Saturday night will more than likely win the Heisman Trophy. All right, all right, Kevin. Man, thank you so much for you know bringing all your Alabama knowledge here. Great preview for for Saturday night's game, for Saturday night's SEC championship game. As I said, everybody, you can listen to Kevin on the Bill King Show uh, every week and Southern Gentleman Sports Show out in the Panhandle, Destin, Pensacola area. You can catch him with his uh, Alabama SEC talk there. And Kevin, man, thank you once again for uh, coming on Gators Breakdown. Oh, no problem. It was an honor, my friend. And as I said, I'm a tremendous admirer of your work. And Florida fans are so blessed to have someone of of your talent and abilities to cover their team. And once again, sincere congratulations to the Florida Gators uh, winning the Eastern Division. It's going to be a great, great game Saturday night. These are two of the very, very best teams in all of college football. And I just hope that we don't have any stupid targeting calls. I hope this gets decided on the field by these two great teams. It's going to be a wonderful game, and I'm really looking forward to it. And no shoes thrown either. That, That might help too. (laughs) <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> All right. Kevin Hagan like I said this is what the SEC championship is supposed to be the yeah. SEC championship game is supposed to be Alabama for Absolutely. I, I agree. It, it gets no better when these two teams match up there uh, in Atlanta. So first time for these two teams in the uh, Mercedes-Benz Dome. So uh, the new look for the Gators for an SEC championship game uh, anyway. So Kevin Hagan joining us right here on Gators Breakdown. It's the most wonderful time of the year that can't end soon enough. We all deserve a win, we all deserve a little extra money in our pocket, and we all deserve to have a little fun. The only place you're guaranteed to get all three is my bookie. My bookie is the only sports book that doesn't care whether you're were naughty or nice this year. They've got gifts for everyone. Bet on the NFL, NBA, all your favorite college sports, and more. Sign up today and receive the ultimate stocking stuffer, a 50% deposit bonus up to $1,000. That's a great place to start, but we all know... Christmas is about what's under the tree. And at MyBookie, that means huge deposit bonuses, epic giveaways, and free contests. It's simple. Sign up, enter promo code GATERS, and get your deposit matched halfway up to 1000 bucks. Head over to MyBookie to make the most of the holidays this year and strut into 2021 with cash in your pocket. This winter, bet with the best, bet with MyBookie. Let's start with the positive matchup for the Gators, and that's the Gators' offense, of course. Uh, they're going to have to play their play better than they have 
the last few weeks, get off to a better start than recent games. Uh, the Gators' offense is th- their best is good enough to win this game. Uh, will we get Florida's best performance on offense Saturday? That, that's the question. If so, this will be a game. You heard Kevin earlier. The Florida offense is going to put up some points versus Alabama, and they're going to have to because Florida's defense isn't going to stop Alabama's defense with or Alabama's offense with any consistency. It's just not going to happen. I don't see it happening there with the Florida defense versus the Alabama offense. So, you know, what does Florida draw up to get the offense in big plays? You know, for Georgia, we saw the wheel, wheel route, uh, and, and I think that play has a home versus Alabama as well. You know, we should see that play and, and see if Florida can catch Dylan Moses, like Kevin said, uh, in, in coverage uh, when that play is ran. Uh, Dan Mullen will have a game plan. Uh, we'll have some wrinkles. Uh, but it comes down to just playing your base offense, which you've done all year. That's what it's going to come down to. You, you may have the wrinkles. You may have the, the gadget plays that come out there. But, you know, you're going to have to play your base game how we've seen you pass the ball all season long. Bama's going to have to, you know, they're going to come out, play some dime defense, a, a lot of 6DB sets there to defend Florida, uh, for a lot of what Florida has seen uh, in, in the last few games. Florida isn't going to magically be able to just run the ball on Bama. But like recent games, you know, Bama would dare Florida to prove that they can run. I look for creativity in the run game uh, to, to try and get some runs to the edge. Tony, Copeland, Davis, right uh, there. Pierce to still be used more in between the tackles. He probably can pop him outside a bit too. But uh, I think if you're going to hit your big plays on the outside, you're going to have to get creative with Tony, Copeland, Davis, right. Guys that have shown that you have a little bit more speed there uh, than, than Pierce. And it's not to say Pierce won't, can't break one, but I think if you're going to see some big plays that may be for one of those other guys, Tony Copeland creative out of the slot, get them in the backfield. And then um, right. Davis are your more explosive wide receivers or running backs there. So, you know, we'll, we'll, I think a lot more creativity there just because lining up and executing to, to try and push Bama and that and their defensive front around not going to happen. You know, you couldn't push Tennessee around. You couldn't push LSU around last week. You couldn't push Kentucky and Missouri and whoever else. You couldn't push those guys around. You're going to get probably one of the better fronts you're going to play all year. And, it's, I mean, unless you just do something totally surprising, you know, you, you don't see that happening. But as I said, Florida has to play their game, and that is Kyle Trask and these weapons around you. And that falls on the offensive line to give him him the necessary protection to hit the big throws. Give him time. Give him time to look downfield, and he can pick apart this defense for some big plays. And he needs protection early on to get into a rhythm that he's going to need to be in all game to attack, attack, attack. He's going to need to be in rhythm, and you're going to need to be in rhythm early and often because you're going to have to put up points from the get-go. No slow starts. And a lot of the slow starts have been due to the Slow starts on the offensive line. Not all on the offensive line, but most of it on the offensive line are a reason for these slow starts in the passing game a little bit. So give him protection early. Give trash protection early. Let him get the ball to the weapons, and you, you take your chances there. You take your chances there. That, that, that is the path to a, to, a, to a Gator victory is to get that passing game going early and often. And look, this is an Alabama defense that has improved going against a lot of the same opponents of Florida. Alabama defense has come into their own over the last six and a half games. You heard Kevin say since halftime of a 41 to 21 win over Georgia back on October 17th, Alabama has only allowed 53 points. None in the second half to Georgia and then full games from here on out. 17 at Tennessee, zero versus Mississippi State, three versus Kentucky, 13 versus Auburn, 17 at LSU. Three at Arkansas last week, 
8.2 points per game since October 17th. I mean, <laughs> they, they have improved. Crimson Tide has allowed an average of just 66.2 yards per quarter. In that same time frame, that's 264.8 yards per game. Only given up 264.8 yards per game since mid-October. Impressive stretch. Uh, helped propel Alabama for the SEC's top spot for scoring defense at 16.8 points per game. Only giving up about 17 points a game. But, you know, here's where I worry for Florida's offense. And as I said, kind of going to where Florida needs to be able to put up some points early and where Mullen has to be able to probably scheme for the deficiency at offensive line. Sacks for Alabama are piling up. Alabama's defense has combined for 13 sacks in the last two games. Season high eight most recently at Arkansas last week. Week before that, um, the Tigers um, against the Tigers, against LSU, Alabama recorded a season best then five sacks in the 55-17 win over LSU. So eight versus Arkansas last week, five two weeks ago versus LSU. Entering those games, they had just totaled 14 sacks on the season across eight games. So 11 in the last two games for this Alabama defense, 11 sacks. And that's the path to beating Florida is to get to Kyle Trask, get to him early. Saw it last week uh, versus LSU. You know, Bama's picked up on some of those things that they probably are going to try again that we saw from LSU last week. And there you go. You know, it starts up front. And you can say that for every game, of course. I know you can. But, you know, in particular, this one, if you want to get off to a fast start, if you, and, and look at, I think this game's going to play out to where you're going to have to put up a lot of points. That means you're going to have to put up a whole lot of points early, I think. You know, I don't see getting down 14 nothing like you did versus Georgia in a, in a big storm back because they're going to, their offense is going to slow because their offense slowed down. Alabama's offense isn't going to slow down. So from the get go, from the get go, put up some points. Message is the same for the other side of the ball for the Gators, I think. And we just talked about Alabama's getting to the quarterback there. And that's on the Gators' defensive front. You know, get sacks, stop the run with minimal blitzing, if possible. I think that's what it's going to take. You're not going to be able to blitz. You, you blitz, and then Alabama's going to eat you alive with big plays. Florida's best path is to not have to blitz, play coverage, play to try and let big play not happen. <laughs> but... I think that that's what's going to have to happen. Your front's going to have to play well enough without blitzing. You know, and, and look, Florida's blitzes are predictable and, and mind-boggling. Blitzing from 15, 17, 18 yards back. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. And it's been predictable. You know, you, you can see where the blitz is always coming from. The offenses on the other side have just kind of, you know, laid back and Florida gives away their blitz pretty early and, and they know where it's coming from. So the, the blitz package is for, and look, that was a, a reputation for Todd Grantham, too, is a confusing, not knowing where the blitz is coming from defense. And even that has not been the case this year. You, you keep piling up of excuses for why this defense isn't good. And there's another one that you just kind of mind-boggling in and of itself of what happened to the confusion. Offensive have certainly caught on to what Todd Grantham is doing. That's the most logical explanation. He's been doing the same thing year after year after year after year. And the only way that's going to work if you keep doing the same thing year after year, you're just going to have to have pure athletes to go out there and, and make it work and just dominate the offense. Florida doesn't have those athletes on defense. So I think, you know, that's where that's where the adjustments should come in. We're not seeing it. And, you know, these non-confusing blitzes, that has you know, part of it now. It's just that they the offensive has figured it out. 
And that's why I think we've seen it so ugly here. So, look, ideal way getting stops is for Florida front to get pressure without blitzing. And that's where the problem lies for me. You know, this is by far the best offensive line Florida has played all season. This Alabama wall, uh, and history shows them to grant them here at Florida. Sacks do not show up in, against the better teams in the bigger games. They just don't. Go look at the last few games versus Georgia um, when, when you know they had a better offensive line and they had uh, a better team. You did not get to Jake Fromm. You didn't get to Joe Burrow last year. In these big games, while Florida has piled up sacks along the season, they don't show up when they really need to. You know, if that doesn't happen, then – Jones, Mac Jones is just going to sit back there, hit deep pass after deep pass with great production, uh, with great protection. Mix up. So here we go. Mix up some coverages. Get to the quarterback when you can. Take your chances at stopping the run. Uh, this game is so much on the front, so much on the defensive three, four. And I'm not saying you don't blitz at all. Pick your spots. Pick your spots. But you can't live off of it. If you're going to have to live off the blitz, you can forget about it. And that's going to be a challenge versus this great Alabama offensive line. And been going back and forth with how I think this game could play out and, and what benefits Florida the most. You know, I, I can see and the game I keep going back to is last year's LSU game. They march up and down the field, but on all, for, for Florida on offense, even passing, they controlled the clock. Long drives with the passing game. Score in the first half. Make sure you make sure you score on those long drives. Give yourself a chance in the second half. Florida couldn't keep up with those long, sustained drives in the second half, only scoring a touchdown, I believe, in the second half of that LSU game last year. Couldn't keep up in the shootout. But I see this game playing out that way. So this offense is going to have to sustain drives in the second half. Those long, sustained drives, if you're going to keep Alabama's offense on the sideline, you're not going to be able to run the ball with any consistent, any consistency, I don't think. So you're going to have to sustain it in the passing game. And that lends, lends itself to more mistakes as well. You know, if you're going to have to pass the ball to march down the field, then – because Alabama's, got, I think, going to play safe pretty pretty much too and keep big play from happening from Florida. Having Kyle Pitts back is really going to help there, hopefully free up some Tony for some big plays. Um, but, you know, I also think it's going to be beneficial to have those long sustained drives with the passing game. That's the only way you're going to be able to do it. You're not going to be able to run it. Have some long sustained drives in the passing game. And then you take the chances. Keep that Alabama offense on the sideline any way possible. But uh, I can see it playing out that way. So do what you can to limit Alabama's possessions. But in the situation of a shootout, here we go. I mean, one of the big headlines of this game is going to be on both Heisman-worthy quarterbacks. The stats are crazy for Kyle Trask and Mac Jones. Kyle Trask leads the country in passing touchdowns with 40. Mac Jones is fifth with 27. Matt Jones leads the country in passer rating, 203.9. To Kyle Trask is sixth at 187.87. And look, these guys are in the SEC record books, too, heading into this game. Matt Jones is currently first all-time with a completion percentage of 76.4%. And Trask is fifth all-time in the SEC with 70.2. So both of these quarterbacks, I mean, are, are putting up unbelievable conference history numbers right now. Um, another kind of just going here, Trask is second in the country right now with 371.1 yards passing per game. Jones is third with 345.9. So look, those are just some of the numbers I picked out that I, I thought were kind of important going into this game and just kind of comparing these two. 
a great chance we see some fireworks from these two going back and forth all night. And if that happens, this is going to be an SEC championship game to remember because if Kyle Trask is dealing and this Kyle and this Florida offense is playing its A game in that situation, then they're going to put up a whole lot of points. They're going to give Bama a fight. And that's going to lend itself to a great game, I think. A great game. Florida's going to have to you know, be able to put their A game on offense for that to happen. And look, I think that's what will happen. I do think Florida will come ready to play. And that was before the news of being ranked seventh in the college football playoff. You're going to be playing for some pride after being embarrassed last week. And you're going to be playing for some pride because you, you get a chance to go play for an NCC championship. And just because you know, you're playing in this game, but you know, the, uh, this defense will keep Florida from doing anything special. I hate being so negative about, about it. I, I have, I don't think I've ever felt this negative towards a side of a F- Florida football. Even going back to the the the, 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 the offense under McElwain and Nussmeyer, I probably could talk myself into something happening back then. I, I, you know, it's kind of racking the brain here with that. I mean, I could talk myself into saying, okay, well, maybe the defense can score and get some points <laughs> to, to, to do that. Or you had Antonio Callaway returning punts or, you know, for some scores or like that. Okay, maybe, you know, you got you get two two scores on offense and you get a special teams touchdown and the defense comes up with a fumble recovery or anything like that. I could talk myself into some wins when one side of the ball is that bad. I can't do it with this Florida defense that being this bad. I just, I, I can't. It's, oh man, it's just, it keeps them from doing anything special, and, and, I, and I hate feeling that way. And no special switch is going to be flipped all of a sudden to play good enough to get it done against the nation's best team. I wish I could talk myself into a gator win, but I, I just don't see it. Florida's defense can't stop Alabama. Bama's defense would do just enough to get enough stops. And you know, I don't know if I've ever predicted this many points for a Florida opponent, but unfortunately, that's how I see this one going. Fifty-two to thirty-eight. Alabama, that's my prediction for this one. The Gators' offense will score some points. I really believe they're going to, they're going to come ready to play. Kyle Pitts, Kadarius Tony, I, I think are going to have some special games as well, with, along with Kyle Trask. I think we do see a creative big run along the way or, or some create creativeness from Dan Mullen and Brian Johnson to keep Florida in the game. But this defense, I just don't think, can get the job done. Uh, Bama will continue to hit their big plays with inconsistent pressure from the Florida defense. DB's just not making plays, pretty much like we've seen all season. I mean, they've been confused all year. You really go figure it out versus a Steve Sarkeesian Alabama offense with those weapons. I just don't see it. <laughs> I, re- I really don't. Uh, so I, I don't believe this defense can make much at all happen. And, you know, it should never get to that point, but here we are. Uh, so now, you know, the skaters, the skaters offense gives them a chance. It, I really believe it. If they can go out there, play their best game, play their A game like we've seen at times this year, and you know, put some put some pressure on Bama, and, and not as the sense as in quarterback pressure or whatever, put some mental pressure on them. You make this game closer, put some pressure on Alabama like they pretty much only had one time this year versus Ole Miss. And there you go. You take your chances there. You, and maybe you get them to do something uncharacteristic. Keep the score close and see what happens. But, uh, you know, I, I still think the, the mental fortitude of that team probably pulls out in the end. And that, look, 52 to 38, that's, that's not a blowout. Uh, I think, like I said, I think Florida's in it. Uh, but uh, overall, 
Alabama will win the shootout and go on to the college football playoff there. So wish I could talk myself into it. Wish I could really, really talk myself into it, but that's just how I'm down, how far down I am on this Florida defense. But uh, hopefully they surprise. Hopefully they prove me wrong. I want nothing more than to be wrong. Give that committee something to think think about. Put Florida into the play into the playoff, and you take your chances from there as well. Uh, but you know, you got to go win that game Saturday. I think Florida can can put themselves in position to. But um, no, I, I I don't see it in the end. Don't see it in the end. So there we go. Really good preview SEC championship. Uh, sorry for the, all the negativity. It's just kind of I'll call it realistic for now. That's just how I how I see it happening. And I want to be wrong. I want to see Florida go out there, beat Alabama, go have some fun in Atlanta, and uh, you know, kind of maybe change the tide a little bit uh, with, with a victory in Atlanta. So that'll do it for this episode of Gators Breakdown. Once again, thanks to Kevin Hagan for hopping on and giving us that great Alabama preview. And um, you know, we're just, as we really look forward to this game and try to figure out everything we can about this Alabama Crimson Tide. Uh, I'm your host of Gators Breakdown, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Guys and girls out there, thanks for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown.